Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. Happy New Year. Uh, it's the 7th of January, and I'm already starting off with a bang. Uh, the guest that I have on right now has a show on YouTube called Raised by Giants, which features a lot of guests, uh, a lot of them that are my favorites, um, and they range for anywhere from being into the paranormal, spiritual, um, and things along those natures. Guests like Shane DeRuin or Sador, Darcy Weir, Johnny Enoch, uh, Mary uh, Rodwell, and many more. Uh, I would like to introduce my guest today, Ryder Lee. What's up, my man? What's going on, Chris? Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to the awesome conversation we're about to have. Let's All go right, deep. Yeah. Let's go deep. Let's go deep, my man. Let's go deep. Um, do you believe in synchronicities? Before I ask you about your the origin story, do you believe in synchronicities? I think to a degree, yes, I do believe in synchronicities because it's happened to me several times. Now, I'm not 100% sure on the the actual definition of synchronicities. Right. I think people just kind of throw things together and they're like, oh, yeah, that was very synchronistic. And, right. you know, and, and it just kind of becomes that thing. But, yeah, I, I tend to believe it because there's there's certain things that will happen. And then, like, later on that day or maybe that next week, like, it connects to right. each other like you can be talking about one thing and then later on that day someone else brings up the exact same thing that you were talking about so there's really no way to actually explain it i don't know if synchronicity is the, the best way to explain it i don't think it's really explainable at all i think it's right. just maybe how the universe works right and right. it's uh giving us these signals that we're kind of on the right track is what i kind of look at as synchronicity the, re the reason why I asked this is because um I think I scheduled or we we were in conversations about a month ago, right? And then um I scheduled your interview today, and then I scheduled another interview tomorrow with someone else at twelve, right? So I took the whole month off of December to spend time with my family for the holidays, but I was doing research on you and this other guest, and uh, yesterday I was trying to get more questions for you and this other guest. And I didn't realize that you and this other guest that I'm interviewing tomorrow were on a show together, uh, Forbidden Knowledge News. You were on with Lindsay Sharman. Oh, you got you got Lindsay on tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually have her on my show on Monday. Oh, that's so, okay. That, okay. That's, that's double synchronicity. That right is double that's awesome, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so right. she... She's a good person. She, yes. She knows what's going on. Yeah, she's got a lot of uh, really good information, too. So, yeah, that's that's double-double. We're hitting them with the double-doubles, dude. I'm telling you, man. She's she's blowing up. You're blowing up. Um, So, listen, let, let's start off with, with the origin story of Ryder Lee and what led you down the path that you're currently on. And spare no details, please. Well, I'm going to try and shorten it up just a little bit. But basically, whenever I was really young, I had a lot of experiences, a lot of paranormal experiences uh, from the around the age of four until, well, as far back as I can remember, I would have these beans come out of the wall and surround me almost every night. Uh, I would always, you know, sleep with my parents and uh, in between them, I slept with them until I was like eight. You know, that's probably embarrassing to some people, nope, but nothing that's wrong just, with that. <laughs> That's just what I did because I, I was, you know, scared of these beans, but they never like touched me or like hurt me or did anything weird to me. They would just get really close to me, you know, and they were like translucent um, kind of entities. They would just morph out of the wall. And 
I think the most that I ever seen was maybe like eight of them, you know, around at one time. My, yeah. At one time. Oh man. And so from, from that point on, uh, that kind of stopped happening. I told my parents, I was like, Hey, like I'm seeing these weird things and I, they're coming out of the walls. And, you know, of course, you know, your parents, I'm from a very small town, and they didn't know what was going on. They thought something was wrong with me. So they're like, oh, let's take him to the eye doctor, see if he's just, you know, seeing things, see if he's hallucinating or whatever. And uh, they take me to the eye doctor. The eye doctor was actually really cool. He was like, hey, I, I think that he just has like um, a different kind of, you know, vision. Like he can see things that normal people just can't see. And he gave me this little flashcard thing and it had like circles. It looked like a bullseye. It's like circles within circles within circles. And he was like, whenever you can make these circles pop up off of the flashcard, then come back and see me. Right. And my mom wasn't into doctors or anything like that. I, you know, so I never went back, but I did check out that flashcard and I could make those circles pop up off of the flashcard. Right. So then that kind of faded away, that kind of stopped. And then I think some kind of other abilities came to me and like some kind of precognitive psychic abilities at, you know, some points throughout my childhood. And this isn't anything new people. I think kids, all kids have these kinds of abilities, right? They, because whenever they're born in here, they're, they're closest to whatever created them. Right. So they have a stronger connection to the other side. Right. So they can perceive things. It's not anything special toward me i think that we're all like that and just some of us are are more right and i would you know get information about things that would happen before it happened nothing like big like no big events or anything just like things in my personal life you know like i would be able to predict the song that would come on the radio before it came on the radio and i would get it right almost every time and you know little things like that and then that kind of stopped happening too that ended up getting kind of shut down within me and then um i ended up moving out of my parents house at the age of 15 and moved in with my grandma and then that became like a whole thing and then i had because i think that these things happen in stages right everyone talks about a spiritual awakening and you know having these kinds of awakenings throughout their entire life and i tend to think that there are more than one awakenings right like there's, and they're, they're separated, right? There, there's like the corruption side of awakening. There's a side where you figure out that the government is, you know, uh, screwing with us and there's things going on governmentally and societally, uh, you know, like the food, the air, the water and like all that. And, you know, so I watched this documentary called Zeitgeist whenever I was Ooh, like, um, great, great one. It was right when it came out. It was in 2008. This was actually before I moved out of my parents' house. And that really just blew me wide open. You know, I was like, holy crap, you know, like all, all the stuff that's going on because Zeitgeist went from, you know, it covered a bunch of different topics. This is the original Zeitgeist that came out in 2008. It started with religion, right? It started with the religion aspect first, and then it kind of got into the monetary at the end. Yeah, yeah it went from religion. Then it went, uh, I think... 9-11 and everything that happened surrounding 9-11 and then it got into the monetary system and how you know our dollar is basically worthless because there is no gold in the federal reserve anymore right it's just a piece of paper that we've all bought into that we've assigned value to it has no real value and because i was kind of you know 
a Christian growing up a little bit. And because of my mom, she wasn't a, uh, she didn't believe in anything. She was a self-proclaimed atheist. So I, I went the Christian route just to be a rebel toward her. You know, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to be a Christian. You don't like what I'm doing. I'm just going to do the exact opposite of what you believe. Right. And once I watched that movie, I was like, holy shit, you know, like all this stuff is just fake, you know, it's all fake. And I always had that kind of feeling within me since I was really young that I'm in a reality that's just built upon nonsense, you know, just pure fakeness. Like, why is everyone here so fake? I, I didn't never really understood what was going on. You know, why, why am I here? What am I doing here? You know, but you knew something was up. Something was definitely up, you know? And so after that Zeitgeist uh, movie, I kind of, you know, just went down that rabbit hole, you know, and I'm questioning religion. I'm questioning Christianity. I'm questioning this God. I'm questioning, you know, Jesus and all of these stories that, you know, I had inadvertently uh, bought into whenever I was younger. And I'm, you know, starting to develop a, more critical thinking and, and common sense on my own. And, you know, granted, there wasn't anything that I was watching during that time. You know, this was just my own thoughts and my own ideas and my own things that, that are going on. And I would just like lay down in my bed and then I would just kind of, you know, go run through all of these things. And then I would just be putting pieces together. Like, you know, what are we in? Are we in a simulation? You know, is just, is this just one dimension stacked upon other dimensions? And then I'm like thinking like, okay, well, if we're in a third dimension, that means that there's a fourth dimension, a fifth dimension, a sixth dimension. And it just, you know, kind of goes on. Right. And this wasn't anything that I was reading or watching or anything. It was just what I was creating out of my own consciousness. Right. Then I get to a point where, you know, none of this stuff, like I, I can't like, comprehend it and speak it out to other people because again i'm from a very small town very uh, you know christian conservative type of town which there's nothing wrong with being uh conservative but whenever you're going through these kinds of things it's hard for anyone to understand you right so the the information just collapsed in upon itself and then i started going down a really dark path with uh you know, drugs, uh, heavy drug use, uh, you know, I was getting into, cause I was just trying to block it all out. You know, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, crazy, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know, I right. just need to drown all of this shit out. You know, I just need to make it go away, you know? And, so and, I went down. and writer, wh- wh- while you're going through this, are you still having experiences? Um, or, or, or did those things, the drugs drown those experiences out? You feel to a degree, but, you know, like with drugs and stuff, it's, it it can put you into like a a psychosis, right? Like a drug psychosis, and you can be seeing things and hearing things that aren't really happening. That's how I know that a lot of these secret space program and these super soldiers and stuff is mostly a drug induced psychosis, right? Because I've experienced certain things like that. Like I've experienced you know, hearing voices, I've experienced, uh, you know, things trying to communicate to with me through my technology. I've seen things in my reality when I was on drugs, right? Yeah. But I've distinguished the difference. I know that none of that stuff is real, right? But they're taking it 
as it's real. And I've had crazy dreams too, like abduction dreams and like all that stuff. But I, I know that none of it's real. Right. But these people are having these dreams, having these kinds of drug psychosis and they're getting online and then they're speaking about them as if they were real physical experiences. Well, they weren't, they were a dream. They were an astral experience. They were a, uh, some kind of drug induced psychosis. And we know from MK ultra that that's what that they were using. LSD was all involved with MK ultra. Every single one of those sub projects has been declassified that you can go through and read through. Just type in MK ultra declassified documents on Google and you can read through all of them. Almost every single one of them involves some kind of hallucinogenic LSD mushrooms. And Sidney Gottlieb was the head of that. And Sidney Gottlieb had a brother and the brother was a plant biologist. Right? so he was actually creating all of these different kinds of drugs and not only the hallucinogenics and the mushrooms and the LSD they were using, they're also using other kinds of drugs like amphetamine. Adderall came out of the MK ultra programs. Antidepressants came out of the MK ultra programs. All of these drugs that is out in the community right now came out of the MK ultra programs. They were using right. those as, as testing on, on people and creating these different medicine compounds to see what it's going to do to the psyche of the American public. Right. Right. So um, after I kind of, you know, got through that whole thing with, you know, drugs and all that, I, I've been, uh, you know, clean and sober now for three and a half years. Congratulations. And so I was like, OK, well, I need to do something right. Like I, I need to, you know, <laughs> do some kind of information about, you know, something I, I need to be trying to help people to open their mind and uh, bring some critical thinking and some common sense into their, uh, you know, into this field of, you know, conspiracy theory and, you know, uh, aliens and UFOs and, and all of this uh, stuff that people are talking about. So I, you know, ended up creating my own show, which I could have done it a little bit earlier. And I, if I probably would have done it before all of that stuff was um, before I got into all the drugs and all that, it probably would have, you know, helped, helped me not go down that path, but right. I don't regret any of that because it's made me a better person. It's turned me into the person that I am today. So yeah, that's kind of really how it started. And I did start it in 2020, which didn't really have anything to do with what was happening in 2020. It was just, you know, my path and what I was supposed to be doing. So yeah, that's how it started. Man, you and I have a lot of parallels, dude. Um, That last statement, one of the last statements that you made was like, the opportunity to do it earlier, but you didn't, right? I I, I was uh, wanting to do this like in 2012 and I wound up doing it last year. So I'm like 10 years too late, but I mean, you can't do anything about that, right? Um, the fact that you, as a kid, were seeing beings, I was seeing beings as well. Um, the fact that you knew something was up at a young age, like something was different. You knew people were fake, things were fake, weren't right, particularly religion, same here, you know what I mean? So you and I have a lot of very similar similar parallels. So let's let's get into like these beings. Do you know who these beings were by any chance? Have you ever, have you ever been able to look up and do any research on who these beings may have been? Well, what I've kind of discovered with, you know, doing my show and talking with certain individuals that would know more than what I know, I believe that it was because I came into this reality with my third eye open, like just blazing open. Right. Right. So it gave me the ability to 
see into other, uh, you know, maybe a different reality or a different dimension. And that, that doesn't mean that those beings were physically here, right? Because I, I believe that we live in like a, a convoluted reality where all, if these dimensions do exist, they're all just kind of stacked on top of each other, right? So they're all here with us within this third dimension. It's just some people can see it and some people can't. Right. There's a, like it's like an overlay kind of system where, you know, the the fourth, the fifth and the sixth is all here with us happening just, at the same can, time. Right. It's all happening at the exact same time. And sometimes you can get a glimpse into that other reality or that other dimension and you can see things that might be there. So that's what I think was happening. It was my third eye that was completely open. And that's what gave me the abilities to actually perceive these translucent beings that would come out of the walls did you get a sense that they knew you were able to see them high possibility i think okay. so i think that they would because i distinctly remember one night where one of them like almost got nose to nose with me it was oh, like wow. so so close to my face and i just put the sheet up over my head or the blanket up over my head. And then I could still see the outline through the, uh, of the being through the blanket. So uh, I think that they, they high possibility that they knew that, that I could see them at that time. And they, they were all the same type of beings or they were uh, possibly different. Every, every interaction that you had, were they all the same with me, with these beings? Some of them were shorter. Some of them were taller. So, but they all had the same kind of translucent kind of uh, look to them. Uh, I think some of their faces were just a little bit different. Some of them had like a really open, like mouth, like kind of like like that. It was like a circular shape, and then some right. of them had like a weird like grin to them and stuff. But yeah, they never hurt me or touched me or anything like that. So. Uh, you know, I don't think anything nefarious was doing. It might have just been like an observation type thing. And like they have siblings, correct? Me. No, I'm an only child. Okay, all right. So I was going to ask if you, if your siblings saw anything. Um, so in your research, because you had the show for so long, you've talked to so many people, particularly like Darcy Ware and Johnny Enoch. Um, what 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 do you know as far as how many beings exist outside of the human race that have been coming here, either through being on the same plane or coming from space and other planets do you have any idea of that or well that's the thing with this whole et and this whole ufo kind of topic right i don't think any of these beings are physical beings they Why? because no one has ever met a physical being ever okay. no one has ever met a physical et in the history of this phenomenon ever Right? It's always in a different kind of state, in an altered state, under the influence of drugs, in the dream state, in the astral state. Right, No one has ever had a, uh, an ET physically in their home. just doesn't happen. Right, And this is where the confusion comes in with this whole thing. Right, there, There's people that's looking for nuts and bolts ET physicality when it's not true can't do it it's impossible for them to be here each planet i believe has a different frequency level right it's a different code all right so if you're coming here physically from a different 
planet, you can't sustain physicality here. It's, it's impossible for you to do that. You would have to be in some other kind of form, right? Now they can appear physical, but you can't reach out and touch them, right? You can't shake hands with them. You can't punch them in the face or kick them in the balls or whatever, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like right. It, it, they're, they're non-physical entities, right? And that's why disclosure is bullshit. And the only way that they can do any type of real disclosure and see it's a huge cover up. All, all this stuff is a, this is just my personal opinion and my, through my research and talking with others is that the ET phenomenon is a huge cover up in order for them to not take responsibility for the things that they have created and the things that they've done to the human population on the planet. They can just blame it on ETs. They can just blame it on something outside of ourselves. Right. When it's been us this entire time. Right. Whenever you look back at uh, the the history of UFOs, right, the the earliest one that that's not affiliated with any kind of religious text, because I don't think that religious text can be taken as a historical fact. Right. I think that religious text is allegorical, metaphorical, and is meant to tell a story of something completely different. It's encoded. Right. So if you look back at the the history of these uh, UFOs, you go back to the Sonora Aero Club in Northern California in the mid-1800s. Peter Peter Menace and uh, Charles Delshaw, I believe. It might be James Delshaw, but I think it's Charles Delshaw. There's schematics, there's drawings of these kinds of craft. They were creating anti-gravity craft in the mid-1800s. Where, where was Sonora this Club In Northern California. Uh, yeah. it, I can't think of the, the exact name of the town or the city in Northern California. I would have to look it up. But you can type in Sonora Aero Club in uh, Northern California and, and Google, and it'll bring up all these schematics and all these drawings of these crafts that they were developing. So then you look at the newspaper articles of that time, and you'll see that people were seeing things in the sky. Right. right. And so then if you fast forward a little bit into World War II, World War II, and Walter Bosley, by the way, I have to give Walter Bosley credit on that. I've had him on my show two or three times. He's written several books on the Sonora Aero Club and NIMSA in uh, Germany and, uh, you know, all that. So I just needed to give him proper credit there. So then you fast forward a little bit to World War II. Back in the Sonora Aero Club, they were using a a green spinning mercury fuel additive to let their craft have like anti-gravity capabilities to be able to fly, right? In order for it to be able right. to propel itself. So fast forward to World War II in Germany, they were doing the exact same thing, except they were using a red spinning mercury for their anti-gravity craft the the, the glocka bell technology i'm sure you're familiar with uh, the, the nazi glocka, yeah the nazi bell yep so basically all that the bell did was lift up off of the ground right and it had to have a bunch of electricity running to it uh and from my understanding and putting two and two together and researching this is that the, the glocka bell was just a component of the craft it wasn't the entire craft you couldn't get inside the bell and take off and be going to outer space and stuff. It was like the engine. It was like the, the drive, the anti-gravity component of the actual craft. 
right? And right. that's why I believe it was left behind in Germany during World War II was because it was just a component. We didn't have the rest of the 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 technology to put the bell inside of to be able to travel around and actually uh, use it. Yeah. So what happened after World War II was Project Paperclip, where all of these German and Nazi scientists, aerospace techs came to the United States and they started developing these craft. I mean, uh, NASA actually came up out of the uh, Nazi um aerospace technicians and scientists that came over from world war ii same with the cia all, all of these a lot of these three-letter organizations and nasa all came up after world war ii and was a like a collaboration with uh, the nazi scientists and the nazi aerospace techs right so they started building these craft right because their their whole mission was just for manned space travel and after World War II, whenever they got into the United States, it was all manned space travel, was what, like what it was all about, right? And they were basically helping the Americas create these anti-gravity technologies and crafts, right? And all of these events all happen after World War II, right? Uh, Roswell event of 1947, Washington flap event of 1952, the UFOs over the White House, right? Uh, yeah. The Kecksburg event of 1965, and then we go to the moon in 1969, you know, and, and the first abductions happen after World War II as well. Betty and Barney Hill. Correct. Right. And if you research the Betty and Barney Hill case, it turns out that the very first statements that uh, Barney comes out and says, he says that it was the military that abducted them. Oh. That he, that he saw military people in military uniforms. Uh, abduct him right it wasn't until later after they had you know been uh getting regressed by the regressionist that they changed their story to it being aliens right so when you're putting all these pieces of the puzzle together and the government is coming out and telling you that after every single one of these events there's a there's always a military officer or the head of any kind of military after any of these events you can go back and and research it and, and look at, at what they said and what they came out and said after every one of them they always come out and say there's absolutely no reason to believe that this event was of extraterrestrial nature right well if it's not extraterrestrial then what is it right that only leaves one other option right, right? it's us yeah. That it's us, that it's humans, that it's the craft that we have created over the years and where uh, Germany kind of picked up on the Sonoro Aero Club's technology because they were actually funded by this uh, organization called NIMSA, which came from Germany, which wasn't Germany at the time. It was actually Prussia. Right. Prussia turned into uh, Germany later on. So they've had the they've had the technology forever now and then right. like looking at it uh, uh, how it's progressed it only makes sense that it's us right the, it started out as a very primitive technology right compared uh to what we have now right it, everyone was seeing disc shaped craft you know back in the day you know there was like uh they called them um uh i forget what they called them it was like um 
look like a trash can lid with a with a you know a little bubble on the top, right? Right. Or sometimes people say it was like a plate with another plate, like you know, saucer. Yeah. You know, like saucers. You know, like a saucer. You put a you know a, a tea. Uh, what do you call it? Like a coffee mug on, and then you know on either side. I, I know what you. Yeah. So it, it started out as a as that right because that's the technology that they were working with at the time and now it's turned into something completely different it's evolved no one sees tin can this shape craft anymore right it's now it's triangles now or now it's triangles now it's light orbs now it's tacks. freaking uh yeah 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 those tic tacs uh the nimitz uh tic tac ufo and all that and, and it's just changed and evolved over time right, right. And that's my explanation of why it's changed and evolved, right? If it was an extraterrestrial, you know, species that was that were actually in these craft, then they wouldn't change and evolve the way that they have. They would already have the latest technology that they could possibly have, and that's what they would be using, right? But with it changing the way that it has, it means that it's been a human technology i mean look at our look at our phones look how our phones have changed right used to be a a house phone right and then it now house phones are no longer a thing now it's all cell phones and the cell phones used to be super primitive they used to have buttons on them right now we have a touchscreen cell phone you know it's like how everything else has evolved in our reality so has the ufos and that only leads to one conclusion that it's a a man-made phenomenon Right. So let's go back a little bit, because I remember when I while I was in the military, I had like my first experience, not my first, but my first experience while I was in the military, seeing lights and then like secretly kind of interviewing people while I was still in, even though I wasn't I wasn't supposed to. But I remember seeing pictures or paintings of discs that had uh, swastikas on it and they were from way back in the days. So does is that sort of a connection there with that? And also, what about the occult? Where I know Hitler, uh, I know he was sort of like a uh, friends with Aleister Crowley, and Aleister Crowley would summon this de- this this entity called Lamb. You know, how does that connect? Well, the OTO was involved in in NIMSA, and NIMSA was the people that were funding the Sonora Aero Club in Northern California, right? And OTO is uh, the organization, the the occult organization that had um, Alistair Crowley, Jack Dorsey, I believe, and like three or four others that I can't remember their names right off the top of my head. Right. But yeah, th- there's a lot of uh, occult connections to this stuff. And I mean, this is just my theory and my, you know, take on you know what's going on i think that what happened was is after world war ii the uh, select group of germans escaped with these kinds of craft it was like a breakaway civilization right they they kind of broke away from everybody else now where they went there's uh, you know, lots of theories and speculation on where they went. Some say that they went to Antarctica, a lot of people in Argentina. Yeah. I think they just kind of spread out all, all over the place, right? And I think what happened was, because if you take into consideration uh, Richard E. Byrd's story of him taking his naval fleet to Antarctica, 
to Antarctica in 1947, no, 46, I believe it lasted until 47. It was a very, very short expedition. And he goes to Antarctica with his naval fleet and he encounters these, uh, these Nazi um, German people with their advanced craft, right? And their advanced craft basically destroy the entire naval fleet, right? Then he gets back to Chile and then he makes a statement in Chile. Whenever he lands, he says, we're, we're eventually going to have to fight a technology that can go pole to pole in the matter of minutes. Right. So this is what I think happened. I think that they realized this, they, they realized that the Germans that broke away after world war II had highly advanced technology. Right. And they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? You know, like if we can't figure out this technology by bringing all of these project paperclip people over into the United States and they can't figure out something, right. Then we're going to be outmanned and outgunned by these uh, crafts, these advanced technology that the Germans have created. So I think what happened was uh, a deal was met. They, they signed, they signed a contract with the breakaway civilization from Germany and that contract has been overshadowed in this community by the contract with gray ET aliens that Eisenhower made. Oh, so they uh, they substituted this breakaway civilization from Germany with aliens. Exactly. That's exactly what they did to, in order to cover up the fact that it was a contract with Nazis after right. World War II. Because you can't explain uh, to the to the people the people that you just defeated during World War II is somehow back again, and they have advanced technology that would send the public into a, a frenzy, right? They'd be like, "Oh no, what? We we just defeated them, you know, four years ago. You know, the war ended in in forty five, right? They just can't all of a sudden just pop back up onto the scene, right?" So that whole thing has been memorialized through the uh, the mystification of Eisenhower signing a contract with great ETs when it was actually a human group with advanced technology. And they signed that contract in order uh, to figure out the highly advanced technology that the Germans had created and turn for uh, human abductions. Right. Right. A part that part is real, right? The 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 whole abduction thing, but it's not abductions by ETs. It's abductions by the military. And the easiest way to do that too is if you were going to sign a contract with somebody, you wouldn't have them, the person that you signed the contract with doing the abductions, you would want the the other side to do the abduction. Right. Outsource it. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's basically what happened. And, and that's, there's proof in that with the uh, Betty and Barney Hill case that I was referring to earlier that, you know, Barney was talking about that it was the military. It was the military that, that abducted them. And then he changed his story into a cover up that it was ETs and extraterrestrials that abducted them. So 
so that they don't have to take responsibility. Now that was either through an influence of three letter organizations, the military, or it was just a, um, an influence by the regressionist, right? Right. Because regression can, they can implant thoughts and leading questions and ideas into your head to turn it into something that it's not right. very easily. Right. And this they is could what be like, sucks oh, about the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, guys. Continue. I'm sorry. It, they could be like, oh, yeah, it was the military. It was the military that abducted me. Um, and then the regressionist could be like, oh, are you sure it wasn't extraterrestrials? And then it puts that <laughs> right. in the head and they're like, oh, well, maybe it was extraterrestrial. I guess it was extraterrestrial. They, they, right? they plant that seed. And, and this, this is what sucks is, uh, and what pisses me off is like, we're being lied to because, you, you know, I think it's the uh, niece. Of Betty and Barney Hill, she no, never mentions any of that stuff, right? But a part of me thinks that she's very aware of how much money she could possibly make by not revealing that information. I mean, she seems like a nice lady, but now that you're telling me this, and I mean, you're not the first one that has brought this up. The reason why I have guests like you on the show is because this information that I've found myself or I've heard through the grapevine from people other than you and like we started with synchronicities, I don't believe there's such thing as coincidence. So if you're bringing it up and other people as well, they have no connection to you. I mean, it's it's got to be something. And then um, what about like something like Travis Walton, where do you think that's bullshit? Like, because he claims he was on a craft. There was no drugs involved, uh, uh, apparently, when, when they were out logging and they were on their way back home and they saw this craft and he winds up getting zapped and then he he's on this ship with these beings. Could that be true or is that bullshit too? Well, I think now, again, this is just my personal opinion. There's no proof allowed, for man. any You're of allowed. this. It's just my, you know, personal, uh, you know, belief. So I just want to let people know that it's just conjecture and hyperbole at, at this point. Right. I think that, what the government did was they created their own species of being. They created a gray type species to cover up the fact that it's them that's doing the abductions, right? Because right. if it was the military and military uniforms all the time, right, you're going to have some problems there, right? Just like how you have problems with Barney Hill saying that it was the military and then he change the story right so the easiest way to make it not the military is you create your own version of an et or you dress up as an et right and then you abduct these people so if they do have some kind of memory lapse of it they wouldn't be seeing people in military uniforms you'd be seeing what you perceive to be a gray et or some kind of extraterrestrial species do you ever see that episode of the X Files? I don't know if you ever watched the X Files, and it's one. It's a, it's a I think a two part series about this guy named Dwayne something where he's getting abducted, but there's a scene where he's like in the bed and he sees these creatures, but then a split second they're pe- people in uniform, so you you don't know if it's he's being abducted by aliens or if he's being abducted by military people, and I think that that show is trying to like. That showed the, the whole all the whole series, every every single series that 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 whole series was trying to tell us something. But um, the the Glocker, right? Could you do you think that maybe that was a uh, 
a version of the element 115 that Bob Lazar talks about. Like maybe the element 115 was a modified version of whatever they were using on the, the Glocka, maybe possibly because it sounds very similar. There's, that's the reason why I'm bringing it up. Uh, it kind of gets really convoluted because there's I really hate to bust people's bubble. On no, it, is, it has to happen, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of proof that Bob Lazar was never even a scientist to begin with. Right. And that his story has been almost a complete fabrication, you know, and I, I don't really know too much of, you know, what to believe on the whole Bob Lazar story, because it's kind of like, it's kind of like everything else, right? It's, uh, it seems like there's a, there's a cover up within a cover up within a cover up, right? And the cover-up is trying to keep you from figuring out the other cover-up. And then there's the backup cover-up that's trying to keep you from figuring out the other cover-up. And that's probably not the best way to explain it. But I'm not 100% too sure on the whole Bob Lazar story. Because really anybody that comes out and, and talks about this kind of stuff that they were a part of a uh, highly classified government program. It's like, how, how are they able to do that? Right. They're not, they're not going to be able to do that. So parts of his story has to be fabricated in order to even come out and speak about it. Right. That's the, that's the problem with all this stuff. They're, they're not going to let anybody come out and say the full truth ever. It's never going to be like that. They they have to throw in bullshit into their story in order to even be able to come out and speak any of the truth. It's, it's exactly like um, it's like nonlinear warfare, right? It's it's exactly like what Alex Jones does, right? Alex Jones is this crazy freaking character that's been you know dramatized and turned into something that it's not, right? But it has to be that way in order for him to even come out and put any kind of truth out there, right? Which does another thing to the public too, is that you have to uh, decipher what's real and what's true and what's not, right? And if you have people believing in the, the fairy tale story, which is what they want people believing in, they don't want you to bring this thing down to earth. Right. And talk about real facts and, and real things that are actual 100 percent provable. Right. They don't want they you want to humanize you to, it. Right. They want you to be talking about space and aliens and extraterrestrials and uh, fighting aliens in space and all of this uh, fairy tale, you know, bullshit nonsense. They don't want you talking about the, the real stuff that's actually the real programs that's been happening on the planet. Because when you do that, you're getting too close to the truth. So that's why a lot of these whistleblowers and a lot of these, like, especially when it comes to the, the governmental whistleblowers, like people like Bob Lazar and, you know, other people that are, you know, touting this whole uh, UFO and alien narrative and stuff, they, a good, you know, 80% of what they're talking about is bullshit and 20% of it is factual 
right? It's been, it's, it's a muddying of the waters. So nobody knows what's going on. Right. right. It's a, it's an old school CIA technique to always do that to, to, uh, well, in this case, it would be two lies and one truth, you know, and then you have to figure out what the truth Which is. Which one's the truth is right. Yeah. All right. That sucks, man. So how does all this play into like this uh, predictive programming sort of psychological warfare that we're that we've been dealing with, but particularly lately we've been kind of bombarded with it. Well, I, I did a lot of research into this. I, I uh, really where a lot of this stuff came from was, you know, listening to these secret space program and super soldier people talk about their experiences. Right. And I'm trying to dig down deep. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's really going on. What, what, what is factual here? You know, what, is there anything that they're talking about that has any kind of basis in reality? Right. Because I almost knew from the very jump that a lot of it is bullshit nonsense. Right. But again, you have to dig through it, figure out, you know, is there anything that matches up in real parts of reality, right? And these secret space program people, they, their story normally always starts out. I don't know if you've listened to them. I'm sure you've had Okay, so I, I, I have this written down, okay? And I wanted to talk to you about it. So we already know. So people in the know will get the idea or will probably put the pieces together. We're talking about Corey Good, right? So when I first... Um, Corey Good came out of no. For me, Corey Good came out of nowhere, and I'm hearing other people say the same thing. He came out of nowhere, but he was attached to Wilcox. Wilcox, I knew from Ancient Aliens. Again, didn't know who he was until he was on Ancient Aliens. Um, and then I found out that he claims to be reincarnation of Edgar Casey. But I'm like, you know, anything's possible. I don't know. You know, I don't. What? What? what do I, I'm just a regular guy. So I'm following like these breadcrumbs, but then Corey Good's story comes out and then I'm a little bit leery about it. It sounds very fantastical, but who am I to judge? And then he's attached to Emery Smith. And then they form like this sort of like this little group, you know, and they start getting all these followers. But I'm not believing a lot of what they're saying. So who is Corey Good and where where did he come from? Let's start there. Well, the thing about it is, is I've never even listened to anything Corey Good has ever done. I've never listened to one interview, one episode of Cosmic Disclosure on Gaia or anything. But somehow, I know his entire story. Well, I mean, because he's been—he was on like you know in, being interviewed. I'm pretty sure he was on Coast to Coast. I know he was on Fate to Black with with Jimmy Church. So, if you're fans of like those shows, you 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 you. You you want new pe- to hear new people's stories and stuff, so you 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 have no choice but to kind of hear their stories and to kind of first get introduced to them. But there's always an origin story to somebody, and he came out of nowhere. Like I said, I, I don't know who he is, where he's from, what his upbringing is, if he has any connections to, you know, the military or anything like that. If he's part of any other sort of programs. So what have you found? Let's 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 start there. What have you found out? Well, my point to saying that I've never listened to anything that Corey Good has ever talked about 
is that and saying that, but I know his entire story is because everyone has taken his story and turned it into their own thing and compounded upon it. And um, talking about the secret space program and the 20 and back and dark fleet and all this, uh, you know, nonsense, they all talk about almost the exact same thing. So Corey Good started in 2012, 2012 was, uh, one of the, the, the first year that Corey Good came out and did any interviews online. He started out on this um, online forum called Project Avalon, which was a offshoot of Project Camelot with Kerry uh, Cassidy. When Bill Ryan and Kerry Cassidy split, uh, Bill Ryan created this new uh, forum called Project Avalon, which is an offshoot of Project Camelot. And he was on this forum you know, talking about, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff and, and basically gathering a story is really what he was doing. He was, he was trying to put pieces together to create his whole secret space program, 20 and back story. Right. And there's actually screenshots online of him saying that he didn't believe that he was a part of any of these programs back in like 2013. Wow. Right? Yeah, there's a screenshot that um, says that. Hold on, let me see if I can find it because it's yeah, really, yeah, please. It's really, really interesting. Oh yeah, right here it is. Corey states, "I came from a long line of military intel family. I have been told by MIL and CIV people that I am a Myelab, but I do not quite buy it. No memories of that stuff. Wife says I act." out uh, battle scenarios and shout orders in my sleep, but I was an Intel communications guy. So I chalked that up to watching many movies and listening to too many war stories. Right. right. You probably can't see it, but probably can't read it, but there it is. <laughs> so he, he hooks up with David Wilcock after this period of time. And I'm, the funny thing about it is, is that Shane the Ruiner was also in talks with David Wilcock, right? Shane the Ruiner basically could have been Corey Good. Right. Listen, I know. I, you know. I've spoken to Shane. Yeah. So he hooks up with David Wilcock. David Wilcock is in uh in with Gaia, right? So David Wilcock comes to Corey. They they start this whole show, huge show. Made um uh, guy of millions of dollars made Corey thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. right. So Corey Good and David Wilcock have like a split from Guy around 2018, I believe. Don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure. But they kind of have a split from Guy around that time, not a good split. So Corey Good and David Wilcock leave. There are a group of individuals, probably around four individuals that were, that started coming out saying that Corey Good's information, his stories were all made up. They were all fake. Right. So Corey Good gets pissed off and he's like, uh, well, I'm just going to sue all of these people, all of these detractors, all of these people that are saying that my stories are fake and made up, right? Because I'm losing money because this is what it's all about for Corey is money, right? It's all about how much money can I make off of my fake made up stories, right? I was making millions of dollars before and now I'm only making uh, hundreds of thousands, right? 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Or, or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know? And he's pissed off about that. And he, and he uses the people, his detractors and the people that are saying that his stories are fake and made up as a reason for the why he's not making that much money anymore, right? So then he decides to sue these people, takes them to court. They have a deposition, right? There's a, a deposition that happens before the court case actually happens so that the deposition can be referred to in court. So his lawyer doesn't file the right paperwork from my understanding, right? This is just hearsay and, and kind of, I'm just trying to give you the story of kind of what right. happened. Right. Real quick. Is he still partners with Wilcox at this time? I'm, I think so. I, I David Wilcox kind of went off uh, on his own little thing. He's just kind of by himself now. He doesn't really do, he just wrote a book or something that just got released like last week or a couple of weeks ago or something like that. But this is really recent. What I'm talking about this, right. this uh, deposition thing. This was only like maybe a month ago, less oh, wow. than a month ago. Oh, cow. That's crazy. So he's in court. He does this deposition. He, uh, his lawyer doesn't file the right paperwork to make the deposition videos uh, not public. Right. Because you have the ability to do that. Like whenever you're in a court deposition, for court, the the deposition videos always become public, and she didn't do the right because you can't just coat the entire six hour deposition videos with uh, with saying that 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 it's all going to be uh, that no one else can see it, that it can't be made public, right? You have to go in and cut out the parts of the video that you don't want to be want to be made public, right? Right. And she didn't do that. So after thirty days, it becomes public. So, it becomes public. Oh shit! Right? So, all six of those deposition videos of Corey Good became public, public awareness, and he. Uh, Have you very, seen them? Very, I've seen all of them. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Watched all of them several times, and uh, Stephen Cambion from Truth Seekers actually has all of them on his YouTube channel, and he also has commentary with them as well. I'm actually bringing him on my show next week. So basically in this deposition video, I've covered this a, a few times. So um, I've watched him several times. I basically know exactly, you know, what he said. So he, the third deposition video is the most damning for him and his story, right? The third one was released first. It was released on Vimeo first. And people thought that that was the first one, but there was actually five others and there was two before the third one. So the third one was released first. That was the first one that I seen. And then after the other ones were released, I went back and watched all of them, but it's the most damning, most incriminating deposition that I think that I've ever witnessed or ever seen before. Right. So the defense attorney asked Corey, all of these questions regarding his story. Right. And this is, really what I'm going to focus on there. There's a lot more within it that has to do with financial stuff and uh, you know, his, his business uh, propositions and things, but that's not what I'm going to concentrate on here. I'm concentrating on his actual story. So the deposition lawyer asked me, he's like, Corey, you, uh, you claim to talk to these blue uh, avians. Well, he says a char, which a char is apparently this physical entity that Corey good, physically 
talks to from inner earth. He's an inner earth extraterrestrial, basically. Right. And Corey says, uh, well, Ashar is a part of my intellectual property. And he has a book in his hand, which is a comic book that he wrote. Right. And he's using this comic book as his defense to uh, make it a part of his, his trademark and his intellectual property. Right. He's like, oh, well, it's a part of my meditation practice. Right. Like it's it's not a real physical being as a part of my meditation whenever i i uh go in and i can connect to a char through meditation right and then the defense attorney is asking him well is it a, is it physical and he's like no it's not physical it's a part of my intellectual property in my book and then he goes on and he basically says that the 20 and back program is a part of his intellectual property. Didn't necessarily happen, but it's a part of his story in his book uh, that uh, dark fleet was a part of his creation. That was in his book that nobody was talking about dark fleet before he talked about it in 2015 and that, uh, that he never physically went to space. Right. And it's the most damning thing, because if you know anything about Corey Good and all these other subsequent secret space program people that came out after him, they are all making people believe that all of these experiences were physical experiences. Right. And he is saying under oath in court, in a deposition, that none of these experiences that he's ever had were physical experiences, that he never physically went to space. He wasn't age regressed back 20 years to the very point that he was taken. You know, so it's like he's just created, he's fabricated right. all of these things and he's pa he's frauding the public. You've been frauding the public for eight years, coming out and seeing that all of these stories, these space adventures, these uh, fighting aliens in space for 20 years and being age regressed back to the very point that you were taken weren't physical experiences. They were part of your imagination, part of your intellectual property that you have in your comic book. Now, was was mm -hmm. all that original, that story? Because I heard through the grapevine that some of those things that he was saying was stolen from somebody else. Well, a lot of people have been pointing to Randy Kramer uh, inventing the uh, 20 and back program, which is not true. Randy Kramer came out in August of 2014. He, uh, in his first interview, was with Michael Sala, which Michael Sala is the biggest fraud of like all of them. Right. He's the one that's been propping up all of these secret space program and, uh, you know, uh, super soldier whistleblowers and uh, verifying that their stories are true. And he verified Corey Good's story as well, like back in 2015. So uh, Randy and Corey Good came out in uh, his first interview was in 2012. So that's two years before. Randy Kramer came out and started talking about it. Now there are um, things that have been talked about, like um, solar warden was in a, in another, in a book. I can't remember the author's name, but he did talk about solar warden, but Corey good never said anything about, uh, you know, solar warden or any of those, you know, other things that had really been previously talked about. So I think that his, Maybe his trademarks might actually go through. He might actually get a lot of his trademark properties, which, hey, I kind of hope that he does, right? Because th that makes it to where none of these uh, 
other people, none of these other secret space program bullshit nonsense. Right. People can continue talking about it. It kind of just shuts down the entire thing. And he, he referred to in this deposition that this industry is a billion dollar industry, right? It's just a money thing to him. All of it is nothing about truth. It's uh, his stories are, are made up. They're part of his intellectual property. None of it's real. And another thing that he talked about, because the deposition lawyer, the defense attorney asked him, he said, do you put a footnote in your book that these stories are fake and that they're made up? Right. And Corey lifts up his book and he says, yes, there's a distinction that's made between Corey Good, the real Corey Good in this reality, and then the embellished Corey Good uh, that has, you know, done all of these secret space program adventures. And uh, he basically tells people right then and there that his that the stories that he's been talking about for eight years have been fake, made up not real, non-physical experiences. And the thing about this was too, is that I actually had this information back like two months ago um, that his stories and that he went to a court deposition and said that his stories and everything were all made up, but I couldn't release the video because it was... uh, the person that told me this was involved in the like court legal directly. Legal yeah. Right. yeah. I got you. So, so what it sounds like to me is if Corey good would have just created some sort of science fiction company and then made movies and comic books, he would have been better off doing that. Exactly. And that's what he should have done from the very beginning. Right. He should have came out and been like, Hey, my experiences weren't real physical experiences they were either they were channeled they were astral experiences they were um whatever and none of this would be happening right because people would have that information from the jump where he screwed up was trying to convince people that his stories were real physical actually happening in this 3d physical reality right if he would have came out from the very beginning and been like hey None of these experiences were physical experiences, but here it is, right? There would not never have been any issue, but he didn't. He didn't say that. So he frauded the public for eight years, making everyone believe and making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of a story that he had people believing in that was a physical, real story. Right. I think there's laws against that. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think that... that that you can do that. And there's plenty of examples. He's a public figure, right? He's been on several shows, just like you mentioned. He was on uh, Jimmy Church's show. He's been through all these conferences. He's been on, um, uh, I can't think of the other big show that he was on, but he was on Jimmy Church several times. And the thing about this whole thing is, is like, you know, what about these people that, that supported him through all of this, right? Uh, James James Gilliland supported him. Peter Maxwell Slattery supported him. Edge of Wonder guys supported him. Gave him a platform to speak his uh, his his fake made up stories. Wow! You know, none of them have come out and made any statements right. about uh, you know 
supporting someone that has absolutely zero proof and has admitted under oath in a court deposition that his stories are fake and made up and it didn't physically happen right do you, that, think, do you think james gilliland's fake too with the whole east city ranch because i have because sometimes i feel like <laughs> I, I make this statement sometimes right because i i grew up in the ghetto that ghetto kids hang out with ghetto kids you know so i mean thieves, thieves hang out with thieves right so do you think like Gilliland and like Greer and all these guys that are making tons of money, they recognize that Corey Good was just another thief that they can team up with. And, you know, because Emery Smith's part of that, he's connected to that, you know, those guys. I think so to a degree, because when everyone was coming on and saying that, you know, Corey Good's stories were fake and made up and none of it was real. Um there was only a select few people that continued to back him and bring him on their shows. Right. And one of those people was James Gilliland. Right. And I've heard things about uh, James too, that uh, he's faking a lot of his UFO activity that he just has people out there with laser pointers and lights and stuff and shining them in the sky. Which another interesting thing is that there's a military base right across that mountain there in Washington right. where he shoots all of those uh, UFO videos, right? Right. So, I mean, I can't say 100% for sure because I've never been there. I've never, uh, never spoken with him. Uh, you know, and I, I really don't know too much about it. I'm just speaking about what other people have told me and right. others that have been there that's been to his sky watches and stuff tell me that he's faking it. Right, but you have a sense that there's something up. Like you smell something funny, and usually when you smell something funny, because I've seen pictures that he put up, James Gilliland talking about him, pictures of beings that he says come to him. I mean, I, I mean, it could be true, but it's just... Now that he's connected with Corey Good and Wilcox, you kind of you have no choice but to wonder, man, this guy fucking with us too. <laughs> is he another one? Yeah, James Gilliland is definitely a opportunist. Right? If you don't have anything to, you know, give him in return, then he doesn't mess with you, right? If you're not big in the community, if you're if you don't have something to you know give him in return then he just doesn't uh do anything for you i've heard that several times and many people and he's uh really touchy with the women from what i've heard he, he oh. only uh you know has um basically women working on his ranch for free you know, he's not paying you. But not, but not really for free. <laughs> Probably not really for free. You know, there's got to be some form of payment, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there, there's yeah. a lot of um, there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on with him. And as far as like Stephen Greer, the thing that I don't like about Stephen Greer is he he basically only talks about the same thing over and over and over again. Every one of his documentaries that he's ever came out with, like there's very, there's little to no new information in any of those documentaries. He's just regurgitating right. the, the same things that he's said over and over and over again. 
Now, I do give credit to and unsubstantiated evidence, right? There's really no proof for a lot of the things that Stephen Greer said. And I think that he was responsible for the the Wilson document getting leaked. And then it turns out that the Wilson document, people have tracked back the Wilson document and it turned out that it came from his computer. So he basically manufactured and created that entire fake document. So now there was one thing that I did like that uh, Stephen Greer has said, which was that the military is abducting people. Right, they're putting on fake ET getup, and they're abducting citizens, they're abducting politicians, and all this, and that it's a you know it's a governmental abduction, physical abduction, which I agree with, and that's right. what I've been saying for a really really long time now. So, but yeah, Stephen Greer, definitely some um, some sketchy things going on with him too really whenever you dig into a lot of these people chris like it it turns out that and it's sad right because we we (laughs) we come into this community and we think that these people aren't going to be lying to us you know because we think that this is a safe place for us to come to discuss our thoughts theories and uh you know conjecture and and you know expanding our mind and expanding our consciousness and asking questions that people really haven't thought about before right when you dig into a lot of these people dude it turns out that they're they're frauds they're scammers they're fakes and there's way more things that's going on underneath the surface and a lot of it is just for money right that's their their main thing right is scamming the public to try and get as much money from them as possible. And you can always tell that by the people that come out and are always trying to sell you something, right? Like buy my course. That's a big one. Yeah. Buy my Ascension 5d course right now. You know, or my meditation course, but grab my meditation course. It's $250. You know, those people are just in it for the money, right? They don't care about really anything else. And nine times out of 10, it's all made up bullshit and they didn't even write it. That's the case with uh, Corey Good, his, his first course that he made hundreds of thousands of dollars off of, he didn't even write. He didn't even write that course. He had someone else write it for him. Right. And he just sits back and he collects all the money. So the people that are constantly, you know, trying to to sell you something is the ones that are normally the most popular, which it should be the the other way around. Right. Like I ask for, sometimes I ask for donations on my channel, right. Because we do have to make some kind of, you know, money doing this. Like we have to try and make some kind of living. Right. But I'm not scamming people telling them that I'm going to give them something uh, for, you know, giving me some kind of money. You know, I'm not pushing any kind of Ascension course to 5d. I'm not saying that all I can take you up in an alien spaceship and heal you with their advanced med bed technology and all that hokey bullshit. Like if you want to donate to me, then I appreciate you donating to me. Right. 
like you're doing it out of the the kindness of your of your heart and i feel like right. if more people would do that and support the the real researchers and the people that are trying and doing their best to try and come to the absolute truth of the matter then we could pretty much get rid of all the bullshit nonsense that people are spewing right but unfortunately it's it's not like that you know people they they don't want to you know donate to anybody or give anybody money that they don't feel like that they're uh, getting something in return out of but they really are getting something in return right they're they're getting the the closest that we can possibly come to figuring out any kind of truth but they keep propping up these frauds and these fakes and the people that are only in it for the money I and mean, that's where the confusion and all the bullshit comes in isn't there like this uh ritual in the occult where they kind of throw something in your face like like part of a truth and because they do that they're uh ob- they, they kind of don't have to suffer the karma that comes back to them yeah that's an old trick too and it's done to um and the reason why i say but- that is because of what you said with Stephen greer some of his stuff like that he regurgitates but one of the things that you did like was him saying that military abduct so by admitting that the military abduct that's kind of like their way of saying we do do this but you know we're admitting it in a way you know just to kind of not get, suffer that karma because we're, we're being honest with you in a way you know yeah i think that that's uh, a good way that a good trick that they can use to get away with the things that they're doing right like is to throw some some truth and some knowledge mixed in there right and then hopefully people don't dig too much into that truth and that real knowledge that that they're giving and they only dig into the bullshit nonsense but it's an easy way to um get away with something that you're trying to do let's let's use the example of like you know, mainstream media, right? Mainstream media can, all they have to do is put out a thought and an idea or a, a proposal or something or create something or, or create an, an event, right? And they put it on TV. And when they put it on TV, it gets people to believe in that thought, that idea, or that manufactured event, right? right? And when people believe in that, it becomes a part of their reality, right? It becomes an egregore, egregorical reality. And I think that's how our entire reality is set up. It's egregorically. If you don't know what the term egregore is, is it's a entity or a belief that becomes real based on the energy and the uh, belief and the thought power that you put into it, right? So something doesn't have to be real in order for people to believe that it is real, right? right? And they know this, like the definitely the the um, you know the ones that are in charge of our reality that are making the decisions and all that know this and they use it all the time nothing has to be real in order for to get people to believe in it right if you look at look at 2020 that's a prime example of how it works right they just put out a thought and an idea beam it at you 24 7 
all the time, every day. And then it becomes a part of your reality. And that's what Corey Good has done with his entire story, right? All of these other people have popped up after Corey Good. You know, talking about almost the exact same thing that Corey Good was talking about, right? Who are these people? Do you know? Do you have any names of who's recently come out? Pretty much well, stealing there, his shit. There's more. There's people that's come out there that are coming out every every single day. Okay, okay. Uh, you so know about it. Many. So it's it's a it's a a constant uh, carousel effect of just people coming in and out and in and out and talking about their experiences in the, the secret space program and the, um, you know, super soldiers and all that. One of the big ones is, is James rink, James ring on uh, super soldier talk. He's been doing this for a long time and he has been creating these people. He's created these super soldiers and these SSP assets, right? That's like his job. Right. That's what he does. People come in and pay him money to get a regression. And we already talked about regression earlier, how they, they can manipulate you and plant thoughts and ideas into your head. So people come go onto his website, pay him, I think $200. It might be more now or less now. I'm not 100% sure to get a re regression with James Rink. And then James Rink will uh, regress you. And if you talk anything about the secret space program or anything that he's ever regurgitated before on his show, then he brings you on his show. He's a gatekeeper. He's a gatekeeper. That's what it is. And you, you pay him money to receive your fake super soldier and your fake SSP memories. And then he props you up. He's done that with several people over the years. He's just creating them and, and fabricating them out of thin air. Right. And it's the people that watch his show. So what they do is you go to sleep at night. You have James rink, super soldier talk on your playing on your TV or on your phone or whatever you're listening to it. You have some sort of dream about it. You wake up the next morning. And you're like, Holy shit. I was a part of this program too. <laughs> you know? So then you get on there and you pay James rink, $200 you do a regression and then you uh, tell him about your fantastical fighting aliens in space for 20 years. He brings you on your show, gives you a, brings you on his show and gives you a platform to speak about the things that he regressed you on. And then you, he's created another fucking super soldier. Right. He lets him loose to do. Yeah. Right, right, right. Speaking nonsense and, uh, and bullshit. And that's how all this has happened. That's how all these people claim to have, uh, you know, had these experiences is by listening to other people that has supposedly had these experiences that have absolutely zero proof. That is a result of some kind of um, MK Ultra V2K experience that's been planted in their mind in from their dream state, or they're using their testimony and. Uh, they're using supporting testimony from other people that they've heard talk about it in order to support their own story. That's how it goes. So do you, do you think that there's any part of what Corey said that might be true? That possibly could be true. Any of his stories that maybe he, something, maybe he was told a few things that were true and he turned it into like a story, but it, it, it's actually true. Like the secret well, space program. Anything I did like a deep dive into this because I, I was onto this way before the deposition videos came out. I, I was, uh, you know, 
uh, you know, trying to figure out what what's real, what's the real part of these people's stories, what is what is like you know completely fabrication, right? And I, because I've interviewed some of these people, I've interviewed um, uh, Ileana, the Star Traveler. I've uh, interviewed Tony Rod Riggs, um, Penny Bradley, and I also interviewed James Rink like back when I first started my show. Right. Right. And I wanted to, you know, try and figure out exactly what's going on because that was my whole mission and my whole goal from the very beginning. And I had to talk to them and uh, to try and figure out what was happening here because I knew it wasn't the way that they were saying what was going on. Right. So the, the beginning parts of their story always starts out with some kind of MK ultra story. Right. It's they were abducted as a young kid. They were taken to a military base or a three-letter agency base somewhere. They were MK Ultra. They were tortured. They were starved. Their mind was fractured several times to create these kinds of altars. And then they were taken through a jump room in uh, New York or California. The, the, it differs with each individual's. And they immediately go to Mars and, or, or the moon or Jupiter or, or whatever. Right. Which is another thing in the deposition videos that the defense attorney asked, he said, have you ever lived on another planet, Corey? And Corey said, no, I've never claimed to have lived on a, on another planet. He says, well, have you ever visited another planet? And he said, well, in the stories in my book, I, I have, visited other planets that aren't even a part of the solar system. And then the defense attorney asked, well, did you ever physically go to these other planets? And he said, no, I don't believe so. So going through all this stuff and I'm uh, trying to figure out what's going on here because we know that MK ultra is real. Like that was real programs. There's de declassified, uh, sub projects of MK Ultra that's been released to the public that you can go in and actually research and, and look at, right? And you see that all of these MK Ultra programs all involve some sort of hallucinogenic that they're testing on people, right? And the very first mission or goal of MK Ultra was to make uh, soldiers or people that have high intelligence data, high up intelligence data to erase that out of their head. Right. So that whenever they quit the force, they don't have access to any of those classified programs or those classified things. So they use a drug called BZ. And BZ is like the the um, like 100 times more powerful than LSD. It'll make you literally go out of your mind for like weeks at a time. You don't know who you are, where you are, what you're doing. Nothing. Right. So then they use this technique that's called depatterning, which depatterning is a way to just kind of clean the slate of your mind, right? Clean your consciousness to remove common sense and, and critical thinking, right? And then they use another technique that's called psychic driving, which psychic driving is uh, the way that is described in the MK Ultra declassified files is that it's used with a repeated audio looped message. So they drug them, they depattern them, they throw them in a room with a repeated looped audio message. Nobody knows what's on this repeated looped audio message. It could be anything, right? It's to convince 
the person that you're MK altering of whatever is on that audio message, right? And I've taken this a step further. I've taken it to where they could also use a TV, right? They can wheel a TV in there after they've drugged them, after they've depatterned them, they, then they psychic drive them or wheel a TV or they put like goggles over them, uh, like a, a VR headset like we would have now, right? And to convince them of whatever is on this VR goggles or whatever is on this TV or whatever is on this audio looped message, right? So, but no one knows what was on any of those audio looped messages or on the TV screen or on the, the VR headset thing, right? It could be anything. It could be that, oh, you were in space fighting aliens for 20 years and then we age regressed you back to this very point, but it was, you were really only in a room drugged up, depatterned in the psychic drive to believe it, right? So then another thing that, they were uh, that the secret space program and um, super soldiers talk about is this Stargate project. Right? And they equate it to being, you know, um, the super ultra secret military operation that opens up portals and looks back in time and looks forward in time. And that has stuff to do with an actual Stargate, right? Like, Stargate the TV show, you know, right? Which a lot of this dude is all comes from movies and TV shows that they've just compounded upon over and over and over again, right? They always refer to like X Men, too, right? Well, guess what was the most popular cartoon during the '90s and the early 2000s on uh, main on uh, Fox on Channel X-Men. 11 is the yeah. X Men, yeah, right? So. Which I love, by the way. I love that X-Men yeah. cartoon. Yeah, the guitar solo on there. <laughs> <laughs> so they've, they've just taken these things and they've... Um, because the way the trauma works, right? You can be traumatized and then you will use something that happened in, in your past of a, uh, a good memory or something to try and uh, get out of that trauma right so if subconsciously you have x-men or the stargate tv show or star trek or star wars or anything and you had a really good time watching that stuff and then you get traumatized later on in life you're going to revert back to that and you're going to take that as actually being real right that you were a part of all this stuff right when it was really just a tv show but anyway stargate so stargate was a real governmental sanction and functioned program, but it was nothing like what these people talk about it, you know, about what it is, right? Uh, it was an actual governmental program to study ESP psychic abilities and remote viewing, right? The funding for that started in 1972 when the CIA was funding SRI International, which was also um studying psychics, remote viewers, and telekinesis and channeling abilities. Then it even goes back farther than that. The CIA was actually studying psychic phenomenon, ESP, remote viewing, and telekinesis back in the MK Ultra programs. You can go through those declassified MK Ultra programs. There's at least four sub-projects where Sidney Gottlieb was studying ESP, remote viewing, and psychic abilities, right? Was there a connection by any chance, Ryder? Have you made any connection to that and the Montauk project? 
I really haven't looked too deep into the Montauk project, but I do know that the Montauk project was started because um, a man uh, liked to uh, set, uh, strap little boys into a chair and jerk off in front of them. Okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't know so, that. <laughs> yeah. That's how the whole Montauk thing started and, and it became like a whole thing. And they turned that into all about, about this um, secret space program and time travel and all this. And then Stranger shit. Things. It became Stranger Things eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's the origin of the, the Montauk project. It came from uh, a gentleman that would Sick. do that to little boys. So the, the Stargate project so after the cia stopped its mk ultra stuff the cia decided to fund sri international which was previously uh stanford research institute and then they changed their name to uh whenever they broke apart from stanford they changed it to sri international in uh, 1972 so then after the cia was funding uh this uh, psychic abilities and ESP research from uh, SRI International. Uh, the Army Intelligence decided to create their own um, study and research of ESP abilities and psychics and remote viewers, and that started in 1975. And then it got transferred from an uh, Army Intelligence program to a DIA program, and it became a special access program in 1979. And it ran all the way up until uh, 1995 when the CIA was supposed to take it back over, but they instead shut it down. They came out and said, oh, well, there was no in viable intelligence data that was ever collected from uh, this program, right? Which the program went under different names throughout its history and throughout its infancy. It wasn't always called the Stargate Project. It went by many different code names right just how i think that solar warden was uh space force before space force was space force right it was just a code name for the militarization of space right so then i'm thinking i'm interviewing all these people from the stargate project like verified people that were in it like uh lynn buchanan angela ford dr david morehouse um and del graf they were all verified in the stargate project they're all remote viewers that were working for the intelligence community to collect intelligence data during the cold war all the way up until uh i think angela ford was the only one that i've interviewed that stayed all the way until 95 when the cia shut it down so i'm thinking well how why would a three-letter organization or even uh, the military keep a project running for 18 years and then come out and say that no valuable intelligence data was ever collected, right? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you keep something running for that long and then come out and say that, it, that you've never seen any good results from it, right? So I'm thinking, and I interviewed Lynn Buchanan, and Lynn Buchanan is like, hey, like I was approached by these men in black government officials that came to me and asked me, they, they asked me if I could take out somebody with my mind, right? Yes. Hey, could you kill this person with your mind? We have a target. Can you kill them? And he refused. And then I asked him in that interview, uh, anybody that's interested could go and, and watch that interview. I asked him, I said, well, 
could you have killed him with your mind? And I know you said that you didn't do it, but could you, is a possibility there, right? Could you have done it? And he said, yes. He said, yes, I could have killed the target that they wanted me to kill with my mind. And I'm like, okay, this makes a lot more sense now, right? Can he tell you how? How he could do it? Uh, well, it's a way that you can remote view and actually raise someone's blood pressure to such a point that they go into cardiac arrest wow. or they have a heart attack. Wow. It would be the easiest way right. to do it. Um, so I was like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense now, you know? So they shut down the program in 95. And I think that this program evolved. It evolved into something way more sinister and way more uh, intrusive on people, right? And there's evidence for this if you look at the world that we're currently in right now, right? I think that this Stargate project evolved from collecting intelligence data on other countries and maybe even possibly our own countries. It evolved into a psychic assassin program, into a uh, remote controlling program or remote influencing program. Like a Manchurian candidate sort of thing? Sort of, but not with the MK Ultra aspect of the Manchurian candidate, right? This would be like a remote thing. Like It would be like me sitting here in my house and then me remote viewing and putting thoughts and ideas into your head to make you do something that you wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise do. Right. 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 And there's, and my thought was, well, you know, just killing somebody outright is kind of a lazy way to do it. Right. You're not just going to want to, you know, kill someone outright unless they're a huge problem. Like unless they're like a huge issue and you just want to get rid of them. Right. The, the, the best way to do it would be to convince somebody else to go out and do the murder and the assassination for you. Instead of killing the target outright, you would want to remote control, remote influence somebody else to do it. Right? It would be like me remote influencing and putting thoughts and ideas into your head to go to Walmart and murder somebody. Right. Or a school. Right. right? Oh, oh, yeah. I just had a thought about, because uh, <laughs> we talked about religion and how there's, you know, things with religion that are weird. What if possessions, person that, that's supposed to be possessed by a demon isn't really a demon. It's a remote viewer projecting something into that person to make them seem like they are have a demon in them. And then, so let's say like I'm mad at you and you have a daughter and I want to get back at you. I possess your daughter, so to speak, or something like that. Wow, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's really scary the the implications of that and what that could really entail. And like I said, if you just look at our reality since two thousand, you can see lots of evidence of that. And I'm not gonna you know point it out, but just use your imagination, right? You know, think, oh, well, what are all these shootings really about? You know, right. what's going on here? 
you know, could this possibly be a infiltration into somebody's mind? So, because if you think about it, that's the easiest way to have the most political upheaval ever, right? Is to have somebody else assassinate or kill somebody else and not just them die of random natural causes, right? It's kind of like, you know, uh, Osama bin Laden just dying in a cave, right? No one cares if Osama bin Laden died in a cave, right? They got to have SEAL Team 6 come in there and take him out so we can go hoorah, you know, United States, right? right. It's the same type of, uh, you know, example here, right? You you don't want to just take somebody out. You want to have somebody else take somebody out, right? Because it looks better for, you know, optically and reporting on it better, right? So. Again, I think that this whole thing changed. Again, I think it evolved once more. And we have uh, evidence for that as well. I think that they completely took humans out of the equation. They, they probably maybe around eight to 10 years into this new psychic assassin type of program, uh, remote control program, remote influencing program, they switched it up again and they completely cut humans out of it. And they turned that into a technology, which is echoed by what uh, Shane the Ruiner has spoken on on many occasions. He says that the programs are actually for duplicating people's abilities into a technology, right? And I think that that's what they've done. They, they, they turn the remote viewing, the remote influencing the remote assassinations, uh, the, the remote controlling people into a technology, right? To where they, they don't have to deal with humans anymore. They just flip a switch and they can plant thoughts and ideas and basically control people into uh, doing something that they normally wouldn't do after hitting them with it several times, right? right. Directed so like, like energy a tool, weapon. Like a tool, like a specific tool? That's what V2K is. That's what, uh, you know, you can look up V2K. It's a very real technology that's used by the military and uh, three-letter organizations that can literally plant thoughts, ideas, and beliefs into your head. Right? They can infiltrate into your mind and plant thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. There's patents for this. It's in use. It's currently in use. They're using it right now. And they've been doing that to a large percentage of the population. And that is another way to plant thoughts and ideas into people's heads surrounding anything, right? And I think that that's a big way that they have created these secret space program assets and super soldiers as well. They're just hitting them with V2K all the time and making them believe that they were in these programs. Like they no longer have to abduct anybody or have volunteers for any of these MK ultra programs. They just do it out in the open now. Right. right. They don't have to have anybody in a facility anymore. They already figured that out. They already did that. They've already turned it into something completely different to where that they can just do open air testing on everyone. Right. In order to cover up, the real shit in the real programs that, that they're doing it and what we might actually be doing in space, like the militarization of space. Right. But instead the, the cover is 
is that it's these extraterrestrials and there's wars and all this shit going on in space and there's crazy ET Mars bases underground and like all this shit is to cover up what's really happening. And the easiest way to do that is to convince people that they're a part of some fairy tale space adventure. So uh, have you heard of a uh, individual named Crow triple seven? I am aware of him, but I am uh, not really aware of his work too much. I think I've heard him on a couple of shows way back in the day. Right. Okay. Cause he brought up something interesting about space being actually liquid because he filmed an anomaly he thought he was the only one to film this anomaly, but he found out that other people uh, call the lunar wave. Um, but do you believe that there's such thing as space? Do you believe that uh, we man has been in space, has been to other planets, moon, etc.? It's a really. I know it's tough. It's I'm really, sorry. I didn't mean to throw that. It's a. It's a. It's a really tough thing. I don't really know because on one hand it seems like it's possible, but you know, the, the lies just accumulate. Right. Yeah, like if they're lying to us about everything else, then why aren't they lying to us about right. space? You know, why would they be telling us the truth about space? They they're making up all these stories and cover stories for all this other shit. So why would they ever be telling us the truth about space? So I'm kind of up in the air on it. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that um, there's proof that, well, not proof. It's a, it's a scripture, which again, it's can't be taken as uh, you know, literal fact, but uh, in Genesis, it talks about how God separated the waters from above from the waters below. Right. And I think that, Space is kind of like a a cover, right? Because when people say space, they they what are they referring to, right? Space can be anything. Space can be extra space in your house, right? Space could be the ocean, you know. And they've transitioned out of saying outer space, right? So outer they outer took space, the outer is part a, out of it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they've completely taken the the, the outer out and they're just referring to it as space right and again space can be anything now when you're talking about outer space that's a different story i think that a lot of this stuff is uh is inner space you know we we go within and then that's how we get to outer space right but um i don't know i think it's a it's a high possibility maybe that uh we built some kind of anti-gravity craft that somehow got us to the moon or to Mars already. Maybe, I don't know. I really don't know how space works or, you know, what's going on out there. I think they were, I don't think that our bodies are fit in the current state to be in space. And I think that that's why they're pushing this, transhumanist movement and the combination of cyborgs and augmenting us into a more of a robot kind of reality because 
our physical 3D human bodies aren't meant to travel in space or beyond another planet. So we would have to have some kind of augmentation to be able to, you know, survive or, or, or not be to in affect space. us. Right? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on um man I, we could go on forever. All right, so let me go let me go this route cuz I know that I heard you on an interview before and you had an interesting interesting view on our planet. Cuz you have the whole flat earth people versus the ball earth, but you introduced something different and I really liked how you 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 brought that up. Can you talk you know what I'm talking about? Which one was that on? I, I, I've done. I think it was for interviews. Forbidden Knowledge News. I think you had brought up like uh, this. That were oval sort of. Well, I think that there. I think that we're only on a a certain portion of the Earth, right? Kind of like how we only see the face of the moon, right? The moon doesn't rotate. You just see the the front part of the moon. There's a whole backside. Right. The moon. I think that we all the places that we know are on the the front side of the planet, right? And that's possibly why it's perceived to be flat because we haven't ever been to, to the, the other side, side of the planet, yeah. Right. And who knows what's back there? Probably an entire whole other civilization of of humans right but it kind of makes sense in the in the way that if you think of all the other countries that we know about right south america australia china russia you know turkey all these places are just on one portion of the planet they're not on the opposite side you know china wouldn't be all the way on the opposite side of the planet, right? Right, right. It wouldn't be like that cartoon where you dig through America and you wind up in China. Yeah. We're, we're all, what, what what you feel is we're all on the same plane and then there's another plane on the other side yeah. that who knows what's what's there. Yeah. Right. Could be and more land. What, yeah, exactly. More land, more people, different race of beings that look similar. Aliens. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, it wouldn't technically be aliens because they would—they're still on the same planet. They would still be terrestrial, right? But but if, but if a person crosses from Mexico to the United States, he's an alien, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, foreign, foreign to I us. Know, I'm, I'm messing. I'm messing. <laughs> foreign, but not extraterrestrial or or alien, because you know that I think that that's the that's the cover up, and the big thing is that. You know they're they're talking about aliens and extraterrestrials when they're they're not. You know, they're if there is such a thing as an alien or an extraterrestrial, they're not physical. And they're not coming here. Right. If it's something from outside of our planet, uh, then it, it's not a physical phenomenon. But if somehow it is a physical phenomenon, then they're from the planet. They're terrestrial, right? right? And just because they were to look different than us doesn't mean that they're not from here. Doesn't mean that they're not a terrestrial species. Because I do believe that there are other humanoid type of 
beings on the planet, you know, it only, it only really makes sense. And, you know, you're thinking critically and, you know, common sense about it. I mean, there's lots of proofs of giants, right? Giants being on the, on the planet. There's skeletal remains of giant humanoids, right? Right. Are they extraterrestrial? Are they extraterrestrial because they look different than us? Because they're taller? They might be 15 to 20 feet tall? No. Yeah, I got you. The terrestrial, they're from the planet. They were, they were, they came from here. So know, what so is your stance on like Bigfoot and Sasquatch? Are they, are they us? Uh, that's a really difficult one too. Do you I believe in it at all? I believe it's possible that some ancient humanoid uh, species is, was left over from our ancient past because I believe that we've been to this point in our history several times before that we've been to this exact point, probably hundreds of times, you know, it's a rise and a fall of civilization, right? We get to a peak point as far as we get, something happens, it all crumbles and then we start over again. You know, it's, right. it's just a rise. It's just the way that the planet works. And sometimes we get a, golden age of humanity sometimes we get a negative regress stage but nothing lasts forever here it's a duality here we we have to have the dark and we have to have the light that's a part of being in this 3d physical reality nothing's ever going to be heaven on earth here for very long right now we might get a period of time a couple thousand years of everything being peaceful and advanced and but there's always a opposition to that that rises up that collapses and destroys everything and it works the opposite way too like when everything's super negative and, and super shitty and everything the the light rises to take out the negative and super shitty and then it's good golden age for a while and then the negative rises back up and takes down the good and then it just starts all over it's a constant it's a constant back and forth here yeah and yeah that that's exactly the way that and that's echo too in in our personal lives as well we live in a dualistic dual you know polarity reality you know if everything was all peace and happiness and everything was all kumbaya here there would be no reason to be here right Right. i think that's what another higher dimension of reality is for right that that type of reality isn't for a 3d physical reality right it's a struggle here and it's a struggle here for a purpose because we're able to experience it we're able to experience the um the good the bad the ugly the pain the suffering and on the other side of it we're able to experience high levels of pleasure and love and happiness right that's what makes us special here Right. So if you're wanting all love and light and peace and all that shit, it's not going to happen here. Can't happen here. It's impossible to happen here because that's not what this reality is set up for. I may be in, an, in a higher level of uh, a different dimension or a, a different reality. You can you can be like that, but you don't get to experience the types of things that we experience here. Right? You don't get to experience the intense pain and suffering up there but on the other side you don't get to experience the intense love pleasure and joy either 
right? So it's a trade-off. So, so in either way, you're sacrificing something or you're giving up something. So where, where do you see uh, humanity heading? Where do you see us in the next, like, 100 years or so? Are we still here or? I think we're still here to a certain degree, but I think it's going to be way different. It's going to be way different. And I don't know if that difference is going to be good for us or bad for us. I feel like we're on like a precipice right now, you know? Yeah. And and we have like a, a huge decision to make, you know, what way are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know, because it seems like the people that are fighting to keep things the way that they are is a regressed state, right? Like people are like, oh, let's just, let's just, uh, you know, I don't want to give up my values and I don't want to give up the things that I've stood for through all the generations. I just want to keep everything the exact same way that it is, right? Well, how did keeping things the exact same way that it is benefit anybody? We're still living in a slave system, right? We still have this monetary uh, screwed up nine to five bullshit type of reality that, that we've lived in, you know, as far I, back I, as people I can remember. It, man. I'm sick of it. <laughs> the nine to five grind, you know? Right. So, but how do we change that into something that's, beneficial with for everyone without taking away everyone's rights and everyone's uh without turning it into a surveillance state without turning it into something that we don't want that that's the that's the hardest conclusion and the hardest thing to to figure out right because if we don't want this reality anymore uh, you know we don't want this uh this nine to five this monetary system then how are we going to change into something that's actually beneficial without going the route that they want to take us, right? But if we stay the same and we stay stagnant, then we're we're regressing. We're we're not evolving and we're not changing, right? right? Do we want to live in a highly advanced technological, you know, society? Right? I think that a lot of people do, but they want to live in it without the surveillance and without the control aspect of that, which is going to be dang near impossible to do. Right. So we're at like a, a, a precipice right now. We're we're at like a a transformation period, you know, and people have no idea what they want. They have no plan on how to get us to that point because the ones that are in charge and, and that are pushing uh, this technological surveillance state have everything worked out. They got it all planned out. They know exactly what they're doing. Right. But the other side has absolutely zero plan. Right. So it's really only one direction that, that we can really go in. But I think that we can turn that technologically advanced society into something beneficial. I'm just not 100% sure 
how that's going to work. And I hope that it, that it works out and everything goes a okay. But if, you know, we just keep going down this path that we're going down, the, the people are going to make those decisions for us. Well, it's an awesome conversation, my man. Uh, your show, uh, Raised by Giants. Why the name Raised by Giants, by the way, before I before we end this? Raised by Giants because I all my entire family is uh, really tall. Um, <laughs> my dad's taller than me. My, his brother's taller than him, and his older brother's taller than. His how how tall? Uh, I think his oldest brother is six eight. Oh wow! How tall yeah. are you? Six four. Six four. Oh, damn that. Yeah. I wish I had some of that height. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you know, I think uh, my dad had some experiences growing up and stuff. And back when I was around 18, he told me about them. And uh, I originally wanted it to be uh, a name of a, of a band. Wanted to do, uh, make a band title it Raised by Giants. but That would uh, be a dope, what, like a metal band? Yeah, a metal band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome fucking, like, death metal band or something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah all right uh, Ryder. thank you so much uh, thank you brother uh, yo you're you're a metal fan absolutely love metal but like like because you know metal has its own subgenre. so what which ones do you do you like or which one do you prefer i'm a thrash metal dude so uh i'm more like um uh post-hardcore and metalcore I like, you know, it's kind of like a different genre than thrash metal, but um, I, I like singing, singing in my in my courses. And right. No, there's nothing super, wrong with that. Super metal uh, right. verses and with screaming and stuff was super catchy. So, so like Born of Osiris kind of. Yeah, I saw Born of Osiris a couple I times. I love Born of Osiris, man. They're such an awesome man. And they throw in innuendo in there, which which I love. <laughs> yeah fucking ball down yeah born of osiris is good suicide silence is good too i'm not too much big on their new stuff but um right. I, I dig uh you know some of the the more uh the poppy side of it like uh <laughs> bear tooth and um, yeah devil wears prada and miss right. may i as lay dying right those are, those are the favorites on under oath of course and uh some motionless and white and bands like that. Some of the newer age uh, metal bands, but I oh, I grew up listening to like Slipknot and and Corn. I've seen Slipknot several times. Corn a couple of times. You know, yeah, I, I, I like awesome. I like to get a whole like range of of music. I, I listen to pretty much anything besides country. I don't. I'm don't same way. Me. I'm not. A country <laughs> I'm not. I, I just can't. I try, but I just can't. It's just the the chords and the melody. It's just like, uh, like I hate mayonnaise. It's kind of like that. Like I, I, it just can't do it. You know what I mean? But um, have you ever heard of Periphery, a group called Periphery? Yes, Periphery is going to be in uh, Denver here soon. They're with um, shoot, it's another really big band. I can't think of. They're on a tour right now. Periphery right. and somebody else. I just saw it on my uh, on my Facebook page. But yeah, yeah, I love Periphery, Periphery man. Uh, Misha Mansour is like to me uh, extremely underrated guitarist. Like to me, like extremely. Um, the uh, the singer of Periphery did a whole album with uh, from first to last. I don't know if you listened to that one, but it was uh, really good. Uh, I forget what uh, Dead Trees, I think, is the name. And can you send me a link or something? Yeah, like, I'll send you a link. Yeah, it's a right, really cool. good album. It's whenever um, 
Sonny, Sonny, uh, he was, uh, he created Skrillex. I, mean, no, I don't even uh, know who that is. It's like oh, a Skrillex, uh, Skrillex. I know Skrillex. Skrillex. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he was in this band. He was a vocalist for like a, a metal, like emo band, like back in 2005 called From First to Last. Okay. He did like an album and then he quit From First to Last and then started Skrillex. And then uh, they did a couple more albums and then they got the singer of Periphery to come and do their uh, Dead Trees album. Phenomenal. Yeah, he could sing. Really he could sing that, the, the guy. Uh, is it Brandon his name is? I don't know. I think it's name. Brandon, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Well, thank you, my man. I appreciate it. And I definitely need to have you on because there's some stuff I didn't get to talk to you about. But uh, again, you know, time out of respect, I, you know, I don't want to keep you here. And I know you got other things. You have uh, a show coming up on Monday with Lindsay. I, you, you had told me. Yeah, it'll uh, premiere on YouTube on Tuesday, uh, 9 p.m. EST. On no YouTube problem, with Lindsay Sharman. I do two shows a week, one on Tuesday, 7 uh, p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. EST. And on Friday, at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. EST. So, and where else? Where else can people find you? Uh, they can find me on any of the podcast platforms: Rockfin, Odyssey, and on Instagram at Raised by Giants Pod. Thanks so much, brother. I appreciate you uh, for having me on. I love the conversation. Yeah, Let me know when it gets up. Send me the link. Yeah, and then I'll um I'll have you back on, dude. And maybe we start off with metal next time in the conversation, and we'll go that route. That sounds good, my friend. I- I actually I, I love music and I love movies yeah. and TV. So that's one of the original things that I actually wanted to talk about, but it just came out into this community. I wanted to talk about movies and, and TVs, right. do a movie and TV podcast show, but hey, I love this, doing this, this. So this is what you were meant to do, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you All a lot. Right. I'll come back on anytime. Just let me know. All right, bro. Peace, man. <laughs>